We'd like to welcome you into a special edition of the Locked On Lease podcast. We are continuing our Locked On crossover series. You know, we did one with the Panthers, the Senators crew. Now we're going to look at the Locked On Capitals. Dan Homie joined me over down south in the nation's capital over in the United States. And this is actually a very interesting one because these two teams play each other pretty much right away with the Leafs second game of the season is against the Washington Capitals. So I'm very, very happy actually that we get to do this before the game starts. So Dan, I want to welcome you and thank you for joining. Thank you having, for having me on the show. Yeah. So this is a, a very interesting, the Washington Capitals are always a very fascinating team for me because, you know, winning that Stanley cup, they finally get over the hump, probably one of the better, celebrations when you see Ovechkin and guys like Oshie, Backstrom, it just felt really good. And then the Capitals have kind of been on a weird path ever since that Stanley Cup. And this offseason, there's been a a lot going on there. So first and foremost, I kind of need to get maybe especially our, our Leafs viewers who are kind of wondering what to expect from this Capitals group. And I think the big one right off the hop for me is just when they look at this lineup that the Capitals are going to put out, there's going to be quite a few players missing from it, from what they had expected to see from last year. No Backstrom, no uh, Tom Wilson. Also, Carl Hagelin just announced that he wasn't going to be playing. Like That's a very, very tough task right off the hop for the Washington Capitals to deal with all those injuries right away. Yeah, for sure. And uh, but Brian McClellan, you know, he took care of all those positions in the offseason. He picked up Connor Brown ostensibly to fill the role of Tom Wilson. No one can really fill the role of Tom Wilson. Uh, then they picked up uh, Dylan Strom to, to uh, fill the role of Nick Backstrom. And then, of course, they went out and solidified the net minding by picking up a Stanley Cup winner, Darcy Kemper and Charlie Linger. And so all the, the needs on the team, I think, have been met uh, by the moves that Brian, McCle- uh, Brian McClellan made. And I think this Capitals team is poised uh, to do big things, despite what a lot of the NHL insiders are saying. Yeah, I, 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 it took me a minute when I was looking and, you know, looking everything up at the Capitals game, myself kind of refreshed with them. Connor Brown, a former Leaf, we know very a lot about Connor Brown over here and what he's been able to do. I think I thought that was a great pickup uh, for you guys there. And then Dylan Strom was somebody that when Mike and I were talking about free agent got you know targets to look at. We we looked at Dylan Strom because could be a guy that could play up the middle. You know, give John Tavares a little bit of time away from playing center. Give you that you know emergency in case something were to happen. You have Dylan Strom that you can plug in there. He decided to go pretty much with the sure bet in Washington with Nick Baxter being out. And then you still have, you know, guys like Anthony Mantha. I, I will never forget that trade with uh, with Jacob Verana going to Detroit. And, you know, I know Mantha, I think he got injured almost right away as he got got there. And then he's just kind of lately you know, when he did get going in the lineup, he was he showed why why he was a big target for the Capitals at that trade deadline. And then, I mean, you still got guys like TJ, TJ Oshi, who, um, you know, one of the, I always call him the shootout specialist after that time uh, in the Olympics, not too long ago. Like this is a, it's pretty much a good, the core still there. They've made adjustments to the core, but the real question here is, I mean, you, you mentioned all, you know, that Brian McClellan did his best to make sure that this team, 
was ready for the season. But is is this a lot? All these changes is that make you a little pause for concern about the chemistry of this group to start the season? Well, there has been promising signs already. We're seeing chemistry between Dylan Strom and Connor Brown kind of setting up to uh, each other for a tic-tac-toe goal a couple times in there. So there is some chemistry being formed uh, throughout there already. And, you know, the nucleus of the team, you know, for the most part is intact, you know, save the net minding and a couple other players out there. But, you know, he did. He went out and he made the big moves to address the situations of need. You know, of, of course, you know, they didn't go out and pick up a Nazem Kadri or they didn't go pick up a Johnny Goudreau. But ultimately, I don't think that would have been enough. The biggest position of need was addressed uh, when Brian McClellan picked up Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren. You know, it was a Hail Mary pass that I never thought was going to catch a wide receiver, but he connected. And, uh, you know, Darcy Kemper on paper anyway, appears to be a really uh, good fit on this team. Um, in the preseason action, I've seen him. He he's played excellent. Uh, Kemper stopped 36 of 39 shots against Columbus in three preseason appearances. Kemper posted a 2-0-0 record with a 1.97 goals against average and a .938 save percentage. Kemper in two and a half Capitals preseason games, 76 saves, five goals and a .938 save percentage. So, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, I don't think that I really need to worry about, uh, you know, the net mining situation here. He signed a five-year deal with the Capitals. Um, you know, the only cause of concern that I have for Kemper is he is a bit prone to being injured. So as long as Kemper can stay healthy, I think this Capitals team is in a good position. And uh, like I said, they cut ties with both of their netminders, Sam Sonoff and Vanacek. So it was kind of a statement to Washington Capitals fans saying, I hear you and we're going to address it. And I think this Capitals team is in a great uh, position to do great things this year. Yeah, because when we look at the Capitals the last few seasons, uh, I mean, the Leafs are now going to get themselves acclimated with Ilya Samsonov, who was not brought back by the Capitals, but it just seems like ever since Braden Holpe left the team for the Vancouver Canucks all those years ago, it's been a search to find that next guy, the replacement, right? They they thought they had it with Sam Sonoff, who they drafted in the first round, Vita Vanacek as well, having that young duo. Then they had that, you know, a time where they were going to bring in Henrik Lundqvist. Unfortunately, health kind of, put it put the the rails uh took that off the rails and then with darcy kemper and a lot of what i've been hearing from you know capitals media is finally the number one goaltender that the capitals have been looking for and one that has some pedigree you know of winning a stanley cup albeit with the colorado avalanche team that was stacked from top to bottom but he was also fortunate to find himself a situation where the Capitals needed the number one guy, and he was just looking, I think, for stability that he was never able to get from Colorado, from really anywhere else, because I don't know if anybody else would have been offering him the same type of deal that the Capitals made. And, and kudos to the Capitals for putting themselves in a position to make a deal like that. And I'm so my question is, you, I think you know, you're satisfied with that move, and you've mentioned the injury concerns. so. Where do you see the ceiling for this team and what they can do, especially with Kemper and Nav? I mean, I think that they are poised to make a push for the playoffs. Of course, the Metro division it got a lot better in the offseason. A lot of people are picking the Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes 
But the Capitals have a secret answer in Alex Ovechkin, you know, scoring 50 goals at 36 years old. And I think he's on track to do equally big things this year. You know, despite the fact that the gray hair is coming in, he's aging like a fine wine. And I think that, you know, that he's putting him in a good position to win. Uh, like I say, the net minding was the biggest problem last season. So being that that was addressed, um, I think that that helps out, uh, you know, tremendously. There has been quite a bit of injuries throughout the lineup. Of course, we talked about Nick Backstrom, who had that hip resurfacing procedure done, who's going to miss a lion's share, if not all of this season. Uh, but, you know, that is why they went out and picked up someone like Dylan Strom. And from a brief, small sample size of what I've seen of Strom, he fits the bill as a Band-Aid uh, for this season, if you will. And if, say, for some reason, uh, Backstrom comes back, they could always position him. He can also play wing as well. Um, so then they have him. So he's good on the face-off dot. And then you have Connor Brown, um, who is good on the penalty kill. So, you know, both were areas of a bit of concern for the Capitals. So if you take net minding and you take that second line center and top line right wing, solidifying them, uh, you know, I'm not going to mark them as Stanley Cup winners today, but I, you know, my goal for them always has been is to make it past the first round. Caps haven't made it past the first round since 2018. You know, it's always that sinking feeling every year they lost in the first round of the Panthers um, this past season here. So that's my goal for them anyway, is just to make it past the first round. And then we'll take it from there. It's funny you mentioned the first round because that's been a thorn in the Leafs side. For a long time. And obviously one of those first round losses did come against Washington Capitals back in 2017. So Leafs fans know all too well about struggles to get through in the playoffs. So um, I get a chance to ask you about the Capitals. I will now get let you ask me about the Toronto Maple Leafs in the next segment. Before we do, let's hear from one of our show sponsors. And that is BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for betting info this season, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, they got you all covered. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest, easiest way to check in all your favorite games and events, including MLB, NHL, MMA, NBA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. All right, so in this segment, I am going to talk to David, and I got my questions for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, when I look at this team, I take a look at the names. I see Austin Matthews. I see Mitch Marner. I see John Tavares and William Nylander. Why is it that this team, that on paper, as an outsider, if you looked at that, I would look at that and I'd sign off and go, that team is headed for the Stanley Cup. Why can this team never make it a good push in the playoffs? And why have they not won a Stanley Cup? Again, on paper, it looks like a slam dunk to me. Yeah, it's been the number one question in Leafs Nation for ever since really this course started making runs in the playoffs, right? Once they realized that they were a playoff team, then I feel like it's gone from being a playoff team and they, they kind of leapt into the Stanley Cup contender race without actually winning a playoff round. And I feel like that idea, ideology and that belief kind of put this team at... Um, the mindset just wasn't there 
Like we we've seen them come close. The closest I think they came was, I mean, obviously losing Game Seven to the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. You had the one against the Montreal Canadiens where they, you know, give up the three-one playoff series lead. It's things like that where they just they make mistakes that you just cannot make in the playoffs. And I think it's that mentality shift that they just haven't embraced completely of going from regular season hockey to playoff hockey. And part of the problem is you look at this team on paper, they should be able to beat any team out there in the NHL. But then they go and they lose a game to the Buffalo Sabres like 5-2. to two. Buffalo Sabres are not a team you should be losing 5-2 against. And, I, and that's, I think, is part of the problem is the mentality has to be there during the regular season so that you're not just expected to flip a switch in the playoffs. That being said... When you lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning in game seven, and really they should have, the Leafs had the glorious chance in game six. It goes to overtime. It becomes a coin flip there, and the Lightning, with their experience, are not going to lose many of those games. You lose to the Lightning. I feel like if they won that series, or if they win another one of those series, they're, they're able to go on a run. But I feel like just because they haven't gone past that hump, it's just a mount. It feels like a mountain for them to climb, and that's going to continue to be that way if they don't have the right mentality. So, if I'm going to put on paper, yes, everything can look great on paper, but how is the team going to work together to the ultimate goal? How are they going to mentally get themselves ready for it? And I think that's really been the Leafs' Achilles' heel. Yeah, because you know, just taking a look at it, like I was talking to you before the show, if you look at the players on the team, it looks like the starting lineups of the All Star game. Um, but I would say that the biggest thing that I've noticed on the team, kind of like a lot like the camp uh, Washington Capitals, is the netminding situation. Uh, the Maple Leafs moved on from Jack Campbell, and you know, I was reading a not so fun fact: is he secured more NHL victories last season? Then Murray and Sam Sonoff combined. And, uh, you know, again, it was one of those questionable deci- decisions that I saw out there. Was that the right decision out there? Why did they end up doing that? Matt Murray had won two Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins in their glory years. However, he recently struggled with the Ottawa Senators. And I think that he has struggled to find his former self. Can he rekindle that with the Toronto Maple Leafs under the microscope of a city that just loves hockey? I guess that remains to be seen. And then a goaltender that I'm rather familiar with, Ilya Samsonov, was seen as an up-and-comer for the Capitals. But his biggest issue was the ability to string together wins. One moment he would make you know, a windmill save, and the next moment he would allow in a beach ball. Is this a Toronto Maple Leafs netminding tandem that much better? I mean, just given the facts that I just told you there, Or are you left questioning as a guy that covers this team and a fan going, what are we doing? And did they do the right thing in net? Yeah, we were, you know, when when it kind of all was shaping out with Jack Campbell, it it felt like the Campbell door was shut almost right as the agent came out and said that, you know, or we were hearing reports that they were so far away on a contract. I feel like the Leafs valued Jack Campbell, but they didn't value him in the way that he felt like he should have been valued. He felt like he earned himself the opportunity to be that undisputed number one starting goaltender. The Leafs just really never were willing to commit completely to that. They went on and got Peter Mrazek, who was just a disaster for them last year. And then Jack Campbell goes to Edmonton. He gets that starter money, starter contract that I, I just never saw the Leafs giving. 
So then the Leafs had to go with, all right, what are we? What's going to be the best option for us? Samsonov, uh, obviously, there's the concerns that he just hasn't put it together. And then Matt Murray, with we we were kind of hoping that a new situation will be the thing that gets Matt Murray going because Ottawa was not the right fit for him because the team was just wasn't the right team. He dealt with a lot of things in Ottawa, both personally off the ice and then on the ice he was you know he had injuries he had his uh the covid as well that really took a big bite out of him so i feel like for the leafs they they felt like if they can get these two goaltenders in the right situations where they can work together off each other rather than hope that jack campbell could put it together they weren't going to put their hope into peter mrazik bouncing back and we're glad that chicago took that uh deal off their hands so it's i mean Mike and I have both said that we feel good about the tandem. And I do feel about good about the tandem based on what I've seen throughout preseason. Both goaltenders have been pretty stellar. Matt Murray, a little bit better because he's, you know, in the games that he's played. So that's him earning the opening night start. It's interesting that Samsonov's first start in the regular season for the Leafs will be against his former team. So I don't know if that's a little bit of an extra bonus for the coaching staff to say, Hey, we're going to give you your old team. Let's see what you can go out there and do. Um, I, I kind of, they, the, the Leafs have kind of embraced those narratives a lot more than past uh, coaches have done and past teams have done. So I find that quite interesting, but yeah, the goaltending, I think the goaltending and we, and I think a lot of people up here, a lot of fans would agree that the goaltending is going to be what makes or breaks this team just because, they're still trying to find that guy that can take them to the next level. Jack Campbell was good, but he wasn't better than an Andre Vasilevsky. We've had Frederick Anderson in the past, but he wasn't better than a Tuka Rask in all those years that the Leafs lost to the Bruins. The Leafs have just trying, been trying to find that goaltender that can take them to the next level. Matt Murray doing it with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Very familiar with Kyle Dubas and, and Sheldon Keefe back to their days um, in the OHL with the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds and Samsonov, I feel like they, that one is you got if one guy goes down, you have another guy that can step up, and I think that's something that's also hurt the Leafs too, where they haven't had the dependable guy when one guy gets hurt, and then you're like, oh, who's our plan B? Who's our plan C? Plan D? We've had some. The Leafs have had some issues with that, so they're hoping that by having a true tandem this year, it will get them further than they've been in the past. And here's to hoping for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, I don't really have a dog in the fight here, but when I, you know, when I take a look at the Canadian teams out there, they always seem to be, you know, a bit snake bit when it comes to the postseason. And, you know, I, like I talked to you about before uh, we were getting ready for the show is that the Toronto fan base loves that team. I would love nothing more if the Capitals, for whatever reason, didn't make it, that the, the the Maple Leafs would be able to win a Stanley Cup. I think that that would be a really great storyline out there. So one of the other big questions out there is the Maple Leafs defense solid enough to carry the team uh, for several seasons before last season. The Maple Leafs defense was the team's sore spot Last season, that changed, and the Maple, Maple Leafs had its best defense in season as the team heads into this season. As we talked about, there are a number of things up in the air on this team's defense. Talk to me a little bit about the Maple Leafs 
defense? Is it going to be able to stand up? You know, did they get a lot better? And are they going to, you know, vie for a spot and actually make a good push into the playoffs, you know, with the defense that they have? Personally, when healthy, this might be the best defense the Leafs have had in in quite a while. You know, Morgan Riley and TJ Brody have proven to be a, a quality top pairing, you know, on both ends of the ice. TJ Brody has been a, a very underrated addition to this team as a free agent. The Leafs have actually wanted him for a while, almost traded Nazem Kadri for him, you know, back in, back uh, before he was moved to Colorado, but Kadri nixed the trade and that TJ Brody ended up coming not too long after as a free agent. The only issue with this Leafs, defense is health. Timothy Lilligren, who is expected to play a bigger role this year, he's sidelined with a hernia injury and he's on LTR right LTIR right now. So when he does come back, the Leafs are going to have to make some moves to try to get him back in the lineup. So because of the injury to Lilligren, you got Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall in that second pairing. They've had their struggles dating back to last year. That's something that's going to be you know, that's going to be a tough one for the Leafs to sledge through a little bit. But I think the what the Leafs are going to really, really bank on is Mark Giordano. Steady veteran presence, a guy who wants to win, wants to win with his hometown club, took a pay cut to stay, took a two-year deal even to give the Leafs a little bit of flexibility and just some sure, you know, a sure hand there. He was a big addition at the trade deadline. He's a guy that if an injury does happen, I can see him move up, provide the Leafs with that depth that they just haven't really had in past years when guys get hurt. Now, granted, a couple of injuries, it could be a very, very tough situation, but the Leafs, on paper, this defense is a lot better than past years, but it's going to have it's it's not the strength of this team. It's always about the forwards. That's the strength of the team. But the defense, they don't have to do too much. They just have to make sure that they give the goaltenders, and they've done a better job of this under Sheldon Keefe, of giving the goaltenders a better view of the puck, you know, take really cutting down on those high-danger scoring chances. If they do that, I, I'm, I'm feeling okay about this defense. All right. One last question for this segment here is how will the team's fourth line come together last offseason? The Maple Leafs concentrated on building the shutdown third line that held coach Sheldon Keefe's had wanted. It worked well, centered by David Kampf and playing on the wings were Pierre Engvall and Mickey of there. So talk to me a little bit about the fourth line. Is it the shutdown line? Do you think that the fourth line for your team uh, is really going to help uh, propel this team forward? You know, the Capitals, you know, kind of bringing it back. Our fourth line is a great line. How is the fourth line uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, for a lot of the season uh, last year, David Camp was actually on the third line as a third line center. It kind of moved around a little bit, but Having him on the fourth line with Zach Aston Reese and Nicholas Abe Kubel, that's a fourth line that you're not worried about playing. You know, usually the fourth line plays is eight minutes a night. If these guys play 11, 12 minutes, especially if they're playing on the penalty kill, like the Leafs are, are going to be very happy about that because they want a fourth line that they're just not just throwing out there to eat ice time. They actually want them to be effective. And this trio, I think, can be very effective. Can be very hard to play against. Zach Aston Reese, we know, is a very you know from his time in Pittsburgh, 
very aggressive, very he knows what his role is supposed to be. Nicholas Abi Kubel brings that speed element. David Camp, when he came here, a lot of people were like, This guy really can't do much offensively. I don't know why why would the Leafs want him? And then it just seemed to unlock something out of him when he came to Toronto. He felt a little bit freer offensively. He showed he has a little bit more to give offensively than we've seen. Really good on the faceoffs. That's what you need from your fourth line. I think it's going to be a fourth line that you don't expect to be hemmed in their own end a lot. They're going to be the ones pushing the pace, be good on the forecheck, make life miserable for the other team. So I think this four, this especially the bottom six, might be it might be the most well-rounded bottom six the Leafs have had because they're not just counting on these guys to, to bring offense. They believe that this these guys can be solid contributors on the defensive end as well. And that's something that is going to be very important come playoff time. All right. No, and yeah, so thank you for those questions. It was really great. Now, for the final segment, we are going to be discussing a little bit of the NHL futures and where both teams are kind of going, how they did last year, what our predictions are for their win totals based on what Better Line has provided us. So we'll do that. On the other side, this is the Locked On These podcast. Also join in a crossover with the Locked On Capitals podcast. Welcome back, everybody, for the final segment here of our Locked On crossover with the Locked On Leafs and Locked On Capitals podcast. Very happy that we we're able to do this, considering the Capitals and Leafs are playing. You know, they're playing the second game of the season for the Leafs against each other. Now we're going to start looking at predictions and what our expectations for these teams going into the season. So I'm going to ask Dan here about the Washington Capitals. So last season, they opened as 95 and a half points totals during the regular season. They finished with a hundred. So they actually surpassed what many thought they would do this season. It's actually gone down. Not too much. 93 and a half points during the regular season now we're looking at the playoff picture you got to be closer to that 100 range if you want to get to the playoffs so right now bet online is thinking that they might be a team that's in a little bit of hard to make the playoffs what are your thoughts on that total you think they go above 93 and a half or is that a good number for them I mean, I think that they can exceed that because, you know, the issue last season, like I talked about in the earlier segment, was netminding. Now that we've solidified that, I think you can start to kind of cross off a lot of the excuses uh, that this team had for not succeeding and making it past the first round. So, you know, like I talked about, with all the different positions that have been filled and just kind of really locking down the netminding situation, I do think that the Capitals can exceed that point projection. That's very, very interesting. So the other one I have to ask you about, and then before you ask me about the Leafs, one, Alex Ovechkin. He's kind of been the guy that, I mean, especially now as he gets to his final few years, he, well, he's going to be around for a little bit longer. Not going to be getting rid of Alex Ovechkin anytime soon. But he's also somebody that's pushing to, potentially break Wayne Gretzky's goal-scoring record. In order to do that, though, he's got to maintain a pace that is going to be it's going to be tough, but Alex Ovechkin has also proven that he can score a lot in the NHL. I believe his so his goals total for the season uh, from some markets is 45 and a half goals. 
do you think that's something that's going to be a Ovechkin? A can Ovechkin do it? And how much does the uh, the, no not having the absence of Nick Backstrom play into that? Well, I mean, the thing of it is, is that uh, Backstrom and Ovechkin don't really play on the same line anymore. It's mostly Kuzi on that top line. You know, Ovechkin now has 780. He's 21 away from number two, Gordie Howe, in 114 from number one, Wayne Gretzky. He could very well pass Howe, you know, this season and Gretzky the season after. Um, you know, I guess the biggest thing, you know, they say that the Russian machine never breaks around Washington. And, you know, that's kind of talking about Alex Ovechkin. You know, he's played through separated shoulders and multiple injuries that we find out after the season. The biggest thing for me, for Alex Ovechkin, you know, achieving his goal is to stay healthy because if he continues doing what he does, you know, even looking at him in the preseason, he got that sweet goal and everyone was like, why didn't that count towards his total? But I do think, you know, that uh, that he's in a good position to do it. I don't think, you know, it's going to take a few years. He's got four years left on the deal. My projection for is that he is going to be able to do it by the end of that. Exactly when, I guess it remains to be seen, you know, you can kind of count in, you know, maybe a dip here or there. But my projections on him is that I think he can get another 50 goals because you don't want, you know, never discredit Ovechkin because he's going to prove you wrong uh, every single time. Yeah, and Alex Ovechkin has, I mean, when you look at it, for a lot, for a lot of last year, it was kind of him and, uh, you know, Dreisaitl and Austin Matthews in that goal scoring race before Austin Matthews pulled away. But another 50-goal season last year for Ovechkin. It was his first since the 2018-19 season. So that will be a, a very interesting uh, race to keep an eye on. We're all obviously on the OV watch about whether he can surpass the great one in goals. So let's talk a little bit about the Maple Leafs here. You know, you have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and Will William Nylander out there. I mean, how much are they going to help contribute? I mean, you take a look at this team. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, Tavares in particular, and then we can talk about Austin Matthews there. What are your projections for them, you know, being a great goal scorers, you know, Austin Matthews too in particular? I think that one day he's going to kind of surprise people. And, you know, I don't, is he ever going to, you know, be, you know, the likes of an Alex Ovechkin? I don't, I don't think so. But let's talk a little bit about him. Where, where do you see him uh, projected this year? Yeah, I mean Austin Matthews. Every year he just seems to impress with his goal. It's not even the m- number of goals he scores, but it's the goals per sixty. You know go- the goals rate because the thing with Austin Matthews is health hasn't really been on his side for especially you know the last few seasons. He didn't even play eighty two games last year. He started the year battling back from a wrist injury, so he scored sixty. Despite all that. So he set himself expectations where 50 has to kind of almost be the minimum for him. And in a lot of betting markets, that's where he's at. He's at 50 goals. Now, can he get back to being a 60 goal scorer? And on top of that, can he push the envelope a little bit more? We thought maybe 65 could have been a potential last year. He kind of slowed down a little bit. So crazy. (laughs) Crazy. But with Austin Matthews, I think health is going to be the, the driving factor. How, whether he can be, you know, of that Ovechkin ilk in terms of the of goal scoring in the NHL. Ovechkin has been able to stay healthy relatively all of his career. That's something Austin Matthews, if he plays a long time, 
if he can keep on this pace, he can get close. But I think health has been something that's put those dreams of him being you know, among the top. He's going to have to work his way back to that. All right. So one final question in this segment here, David, is I want you to look into your crystal ball and take a look at this Maple Leafs team. Where do you see them finishing? Are they finally going to be able to get over the top and make a good push into the playoffs and maybe be in the Stanley Cup this year? Or do you see them being underachieving once again? So first thing is, last year they set a franchise record for 115 points as a franchise. Never done it before. And that was only good for second in the Atlantic Division because Florida was just that much better. But I actually think that not only will they win the division, because I feel like that's going to have to be the goal. Win the division, give yourself an easier route out of the first round. So if you can do whatever you can to avoid the Tampa Bay Lightning, avoid the Panthers or whoever is in that top three in the Atlantic Division, that feels like the first battle that they have to overcome. Once they get past the first round, and if they do, and I I think if they go into the season with the right mentality, they can absolutely do it. I'm not ready to put them in the Stanley Cup contender or Stanley Cup final yet. And my reasoning is we did our our season predictions, Mike and I, and I said until they win a round, I cannot say this Leafs team will win the Stanley Cup because I feel like we've been making them run before they can walk. So I'm avoiding the Stanley Cup predictions for them, although Mike didn't, and I feel like he dinks the Leafs by doing that. But I think that they can realistically win the Atlanta division. They might even challenge for the president's trophy this year. I think that's how good, that's how high expectations we have for this team. I'm just not ready to call them Stanley cup contenders because they gotta, they gotta get there. And I, a lot of fans will agree with that just because a lot of them are just annoyed with the idea of saying the Leafs are Stanley cup contenders without winning a playoff round yet. Yeah. So, I mean, best of luck to your team this year, uh, except when they're playing the Capitals, of course. But uh, I mean, like I said, I think the arrows pointing up for the Maple Leafs and uh, on paper anyway, it looks like they'll have a great season. Right. Well, I really do appreciate it. I know Capitals are, are, are always a fun team. Ovechkin makes that team a lot of fun to watch. The Russian machine, and all of his Russian buddies on that team. So it'll be very interesting. I mean, in Samsonov, we're going to be uh, keeping an eye on and see if, whether you gave us a good goaltender if you guys saw something that the Leafs just did not see. So that'll be an interesting one to see. Uh, before I let you go, where can people find the podcast? Where can they find you? We want to make sure that they give you some love on the socials as well. All right. So you can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. And of course, this podcast or the Locked On Capitals podcast is found wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Yes, and obviously with the Locked On Leafs podcast, you can find that on YouTube and also on Twitter at Locked On Leafs and wherever you get your podcast. Dan, I want to thank you for uh, joining us, and good luck this season. We'll good be luck to you as well. Watching, uh, looking forward to watching both teams, and we'll hopefully we'll see how good of a battle we'll have in Game Two for the Leafs of the NHL season. All right, sounds great.